0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Sales for Introverts podcast. Salesforintroverts.com exists to help salespeople become more comfortable and confident people who earn more money at their jobs. Yes, it is possible, and you can do it. And I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Feel free to hit subscribe. That way, every time a new episode comes out, you get notified. And you get to play along with us as we go along this crazy, sometimes ironic life that we live. In our existing sales positions as introverts. So it is fun sometimes. It is funny sometimes, and it's fun to laugh. And laugh a little bit today because we're gonna talk about a well known phrase the customer is always right. Chances are you've probably used that phrase in your favor when something did not go your way or not the way that you expected it to go in some kind of a transaction that you have, whether you were at a restaurant and the wrong thing came out or something you didn't expect to come out to your table and it was not what you wanted. So in the back of your mind, even though you might have said it out loud, customer's always right. Send this back to the kitchen. Why can't you guys get it right? Come on. But you've probably done it in other Areas of life too, not just restaurants, but say you're buying a car, you're getting a car service, or you're buying some furniture, and just it doesn't go the way you expected it to. And I'm not saying that anybody's being unreasonable. You probably have good reasons for either rejecting, or complaining, or calling customer service, or whatever you did. If you're married, that probably happens on a regular basis because. Say your spouse orders something and it's not what you were wanting or not what they were wanting and there was some kind of a communication breakdown. Uh, And of course, that never happens in my own marriage, of course, but uh, communication breakdowns, if it's happened so easily with people that live and love each other, then it's certainly going to happen in a business setting. So, but does that mean that the customer is always right? Is the saying, as a maxim, as a phrase, does that, does that mean it's true? Well, it's the future now. It's 2022. And I would argue that that phrase is a little bit outdated. That phrase is a marketing ploy to get you in that business where they can wine you, dine you, schmooze you, and let you know how much they appreciate you give you this belief that you're always right, we're here to service you. And unfortunately, if you are a somewhat reasonable being, then you know that you're not always right. There are going to be communication breakdowns. There are going to be assumptions made. There, are, and And sometimes, as you well know, that system is easily set up to be abused, to let people take advantage of other people. And sometimes it's straight up unethical, sometimes it's just bad taste, sometimes it's illegal, all of those kind of things. But as long as businesses allow for that attitude to exist within their transactions, then people are still going to be believers in the myth that customers are always right. But there are some things that we can do about it, and there are actually some good takeaways we can have from that myth. So, let's dive into that. I remember when I used to work in retail, here's a good service industry story for you. When I used to work in retail, several times people would bring stuff in that was just not in returnable condition. So, when I was a teenager, I worked on a lumberyard and stuff would show up with mud all over it or completely destroyed. And as long as people had their tickets, you know, they expected to be able to return it. Sometimes they were more successful than others. But when I worked at the clothing store, my first real test happened. So no less than a week or a few days before, we had had a staff meeting before the store opened at 10 a.m. That was nice if you're not an early bird, uh, but you do have to work late at night sometimes. But anyways, we were at a staff meeting, and they said, Listen, guys, if if a customer brings something in that's ripped or torn or and isn't, isn't resellable, then we can't return it. We need to be more vigilant about this kind of stuff because they're just, it's just trash and we just have to throw it away. And as somebody who would benefited from that before, because people had returned uh, like a shirt that was my size, but there was an ink stain on it or something. And I'd be like, Hey man, I'll buy it for two bucks if you want to sell it to me. And certainly some of those shirts still exist in my closet now, if my wife hadn't thrown them away. But no, we had just had that meeting and so we went along in our day. And it was maybe a day or two later that a lady came in, a normal looking customer came in and and she was a little bit brief but she said she had something to return and she pulled out a pair of slippers and these slippers came in a box and the box was kind of like half open so that you could see and touch and feel the little like the little Wool, slipper lining and everything. See how soft it was. But the the problem was the slippers looked okay. But the box looked like a dog had chewed it open. It was totally shredded apart. And, yeah, I mean, any other normal person would have, you know, opened a box a normal way and opened it from the side. And it would have been fine. And they could have returned it. But they just demolished this poor box and you know you could look over a couple yards away from the sales counter where I was and there was a huge pyramid of these boxes in in pristine, you know resellable or, or a grade condition. And she said, he didn't want these I need to return them. Returns no big deal. I did returns every day. I did it two or three a day and it was simple. I just scanned the barcode tag or they gave me the receipt or they gave me their credit card that they bought it on, and I returned it. But I'm sitting here looking at it, and I just kind of take a moderately deep breath, and I'm like, I don't think I can return this, ma'am. This thing is destroyed. And she just looked at me, and her eyes got big and wide and, and open, and she said, I need to return this. It's for somebody that's in the hospital, and they didn't want it. Or they didn't need it. Or it's the wrong size. I just need to return it. Return it back to my car right now. And so I was like, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know what to do. I'll. And so I, I started get a manager on the phone. And we had desk phones at that time. And I dialed somebody, whoever was in charge, to come over and and talk to me. But by the time that I was able to get in touch with anybody, she had left. And she had gone over to another sales counter. And she was so offended that I would not return it, that she went to the manager of the store who complained about me specifically, because I had a name tag on, and later that day, my manager came up to me and was like, tell me what happened, and I explained what happened, and he was like, Mark, you got it, you just, in those situations, you just got to return it. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? You guys just had a staff meeting where you said, if you can't sell it, then don't return it. And it was just this gray area. They didn't really have a good answer, of course, because this lady had, and it was like a $13 pair of slippers. I mean, they're not expensive at all. But she freaked out. And I got my first like official major complaint against me. And so I kind of chuckled a little bit. And But I I thought I was doing the right thing. So the customer's always right. But that threw me under the bus because the customer's not always right. She was not always right. She should have known that there's no way that we could resell those. They're going in the trash, okay? So here we go. What can we do to get around that? First of all, I still have an existing sales territory. So what if my customers read this well good. My customers, they have customers too. We need to set the records straight and get the expectations right, not just assume that blindly assume that somebody else is right, that some you know proverbial customer in the sky is right. No, they're not. Okay? So here's some things that you can do to get around that. Number 1, just be smarter than them. Know what they need better than they do. Okay, so throw the retail scenario out for a second here. Let's say that you sell like complicated technology solutions, and a municipality, like a city, has come to you and said, "Hey, man, we need this traffic study done because we're doing a bunch of infrastructure. We got a bunch of infrastructure in our budget this year, and we're going to build. We, we don't know if we want to build an overpass or a cloverleaf junction or a four way stop or a traffic light or whatever." So. You have different packages that you sell to towns and cities that help them make these decisions for them, these different models that you can sell. Well, they just want to buy the cheapest one, but that's not what's going to work in this situation. I mean, it's like a major highway and a very busy part of town, and they just want to, to buy the bare bones, cheapest thing so they can say that they did a traffic study on it or something like that, right? But it's not going to be enough to work and it's not going to give them the right information that they need. So you need to know beforehand and be smarter than them that if a customer is trying to buy an inferior package or something that's not going to work for their application, tell them. If they're trying to build a battleship or a submarine and they want to put a screen door on it, then tell them. That's not going to work. Oh, hey, it's a door. I thought it would shut. I thought it would keep water out. No, that's a screen door. You can't use that. You need another product. Of course, you can do it in your own way and, and say it nicer than me. But two, regardless of the product they choose, so they choose your Cadillac or your screen door, the cheapest one, make sure that they sign off on it and you put everything in writing. This is key. Now, depending on the company that you work for, even when I work for multi-million dollar publicly traded companies, I was still allowed to make my own deals. However, I really wanted to do it, to be honest with you. So technically, I could have had handshake deals. I could have had deals on the cocktail napkin, you know, at at 10 o'clock at night after I bought somebody dinner. And you still need to go back and do all the paperwork and make sure they have everything in writing They have a copy. You have a copy. I love email. Emails prove it all. DocuSign is a great source as well. That proves that they saw it. They signed it. They signed off on it. You got the receipt. They got the receipt. Okay? Some of the worst offenders in this, and and this is getting a little meta here because I work in the construction industry, but some of the worst offenders at this kind of stuff are contractors and remodelers. And I feel for those guys. Your jobs are crazy complicated. You have a lot of balls to juggle. And by no means am I throwing stones. But if you want to be a good contractor, a good remodeler, good anything involved in construction, you've got to be able to document everything that you talk about and show your customer what they're getting. So, I've been through several remodels myself. I have a lot of family members that have gone through them, and I don't know of any that are just really glowing reviews because there is so much communication breakdown potential in any of those scenarios. Now, I mean, the remodels that I did, I don't particularly have any hold any grudges or anything, but we certainly had some. Communication problems like, hey, this is the paint color that we chose, but the paint that they painted up there is something totally different. Oh, well, they were out of that that day, or they had to go to a different name brand or something like that because of an outage or something. But but we didn't know that, and you just went ahead and proceeded with that. You know, Stuff like that happens all the time. The, the whole, oh, I thought you wanted this, but you ended up getting that. Or, oh, I, I just went ahead and made this decision for you. You know, those kind of things, while they might help you proceed with your client a little bit faster, just make so many different headaches. And they reinforce the idea that the customer is always right when that is not true. So the next point is share what you know with them. If you're smarter than them about what you do, which you should be because you're the expert in that field, share what you know Educate them as they buy. Okay, so tell them why the screen door is not going to work on the submarine, right? Tell them about the different paint color that's going to go on their walls and why you would recommend this over that. And then document what you talked about every time you have a meeting. On July 4th, we talked about paint colors. We agreed we want to go with this one. Here's a backup one if this one doesn't work. I want to keep my crews moving, so we're going to go with either one of these and roll with it. If you have a problem with that, please let me know within 24 hours. Here's your, please initial this, you know, whatever. If you want to be on point, not just a contractor, but anybody, anytime you have a customer meeting, good grief, if I would do this every time, so many of my problems would be resolved and I've got to figure out a way to do this myself but to have a way to track those conversations because the things that you talk about on the phone and your buddy buddy and it's Friday afternoon and you guys are thinking about going to the lake and going fishing and you have a, just a quick conversation because you're thinking about hanging up and getting out to the lake you're not going to remember all the details Monday morning when you get back there or you might only remember 95% of the details and that one thing that you forgot is going to cost you so much time and money because you didn't write it down and you didn't share what you know with your customer next up you need a disclaimer or you need fine print on your contracts and things that you send to your customers if you don't have that you need to start it now of course there's all the specific legal terms in there that you're going to need to know. And that's going to be unique to your company and your industry, all that kind of stuff. It's got to be in there, but you also need to do, you also need to cover yourself. You need to have things in there. Like this is only an estimate. If, if you don't know what the price is going to be when it's time for them to pay, depending on how many hours you have to charge the materials that you have to use, all of those things. So in your own wording, based on your experience, You need to figure out a way to state that this is only an estimate. Your needs might vary. We're going to submit it in writing for your approval if something does change. You know, things like that. Your customer probably will sign off on something that does have some fine print, but even if they don't, if you at some point sent a quote, a proposal, an estimate to them, and it included all that fine print, you can pull it back up and say, look, I mean... I don't expect you to go through and read everything word for word, but technically item 5A of this five print, fine print told you exactly what was going to happen in this scenario and I did try to tell you at least. Number 4 is at the end of the day when the customers at the restaurant and they Ordered eggplant parmesan and it came out and they ate 85% of it and then sent it back to the kitchen for a full refund. At the end of the day, that kind of stuff is still going to happen. Okay? There are just those kind of people out there. Maybe they're introverted, maybe they're extroverted. I don't know. Who am I to judge? But there are those people out there. Okay? You may still have to refund or bend your own policies, but. If they have a complaint, you need to figure out why they had it. Are they just an evil person? I don't know. There's nothing we can do about those kind of people. But you're going to get you're going to get asked. You're going to get asked for returns. You're going to be told things that seem unreasonable. And the best you can do in those scenarios is I'm sure you have a return policy. You probably have like a hundred percent guarantee, which I do on my sales training course, if you go through it and you think it, it, it sucks and was not helpful at all for you, I'd have a hard time believing that. But all you have to do is tell me why. What was so deficient in there that didn't work for you? And I'll give you all your money back. That's no problem. I don't want to create an Emmy. I want to create students and I want to create friends and, and people who, who actually benefited from what I have to say and it sells for introverts.com. But the same thing goes with my other sales ter- territories that I run and and my family business. If it didn't work for you, tell me why. I mean, I have a entire portfolio of other customers that everything went fine for and they actually appreciated the way that I did it, but what was it about you specifically where were your needs not met? What did we do wrong? Where where were the expectations off? Tell me everything, and here's your money back. And giving back my products and services as much as you can, of course, but here's your money back. Tell me what we did. Those kind of scenarios, as you play them out, are gonna tell you a lot about your business and Again, as long as you get the reasonable, right-minded responses, that, that feedback is invaluable. You might find a huge weakness, a huge hole in how you go to market. If you sell insurance, you know, something that might be a little bit subjective, then you're gonna find out, man, I'm, I'm really screwing up in these particular A, B and C areas of my business. I got to tighten that ship and get this thing going in the right direction so these customers don't expose me and interestingly enough if you have if you work in an industry where you do get to have repeat business you can go back to those customers and, and be like listen you were right i apologize if i came off wrong when you gave me all this feedback you were 100 right we have changed a lot of things we have changed several different policies i might have even replaced some staff that didn't do the right thing the first time and just say, listen, I just wanted to let you know. That was it. And if there's anything we can do in the future, now that we know about your particular needs, if you, sometime, I know you might not ever want to talk to me again. And I've literally said this to people before. You may never want to talk to me again. You may never want to see my name again or never dial my number again. And I completely understand now why. But if something changes in the future and you want to give me another shot, I'm right here. I'm not going to reach out to you again, but I'm right here you call me if you would like to start over. So, that is really really powerful. It's almost like a reverse testimonial where a good testimonial is somebody had a good experience with you and they want to give you a good testimonial. By doing this reverse testimonial be like like the hey, the I screwed up, you were right type thing can go a t- a ton. It can go a long way. I have repaired a lot of different customer relationships by by using that approach. And last but not least, that is to say, you know, that that's for a good customer that you learn something from a valuable customer, somebody who's probably buying from your competitors who gave you some good, honest feedback. And it it never, it, it doesn't always feel good to get that kind of feedback, but you do grow from it. And all that being said, though, that that's a good customer. But Not all customers are good customers, okay? Some people are bad actors. Some people just have it out for you. Some people are going through stuff in their life, and they just want to take it out on a complete stranger like you. So, you know what? You're going to have to let some go. That's okay. People are going to go. I don't know what your attrition rate is year over year in your business. 10%, 1%. 50%, <laughs> but you've got to let some people go. Some people are not worth your time if you are a professional salesperson. And on the flip side of that, when you can tell that a bad actor is coming in your door, your radar probably needs to start going off. Your radar will get better as you get more experienced. But don't chase that stuff. Let those people go. Spend your time on things that are more important. There are big deals that I have taken in the past, big sales that I've made that I wish that I would never have made them because they cost me more in both time and money than I, I should have just let it go. And you can tell. You can always tell because usually when, when they come in, there's something off. There's something uh, outside of the norm. There's something super complicated about what they're asking you to do. And as, as a young, hungry salesperson that has a chip on my shoulder and I want to grow my territory as fast as possible, I'm like, I'm going to bend these rules. I'm going to do things I don't normally do. I'm going to work a few extra hours a week to service this account because I want to land this big sale. And if you do, there's nothing wrong with that attitude at all. But if you do, you need to make sure that the payoff is worth it for you, that your gross margin percentage is high enough for you because otherwise the only thing you're going to take away is a really hard lesson learned after that. The amount of time that I had to spend on some of those bad deals and the amount of money that the company had to spend, it just didn't make it worth it. I mean, it, it did not show up in my paycheck like I wanted it to it did not show up in my personal life because I was over there working on it on Saturday or Sunday. You know, it's, that's just a counterintuitive. It really is. So not all customers are good customers, but I love the good ones though. So y'all good ones out there. Stay good. Bad ones stay away. Recap again, really quick. Here are the five things that I think that you should do to get around The customer always being right. Number one, just be smarter than them. Number two, share what you know and educate them as they buy. Share that knowledge. Share that intelligence. And number three, make sure you have good disclaimers or fine print on the documents that you share with them. Number four, when you give refunds and when you give 100% refunds and when you bend your own policies, make sure that you learn something from that. And then number five, keep in mind that not all customers are good customers. Some people you just have to let go. Okay? So I hope you guys stuck in there and learned something from the customer not always being right. Please feel free to email me, mark at salesforintroverts.com. That's where you can find me. And that's also my website, salesforintroverts.com. If you are an introvert in the sales world, you can check out my online course there can access right from my website or for free you can also get introvert kickstart that's how you get started understanding who you are what you do is for free all you have to do is go to my website and sign up sales so hope you guys had fun i hope you learned something i always learn something so we'll see you on the next podcast